Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Richard Grimion has been a wonderful pastor and evangelist for over 50 years. This sermon was preached in 2014 at the Dayton, Ohio Interchurch Holiness Convention, and he titles this sermon, I Will Build My Church. I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful message. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, and on. Thank you. That wonderful song, that just stirred my heart. You all pray for me. I'm having a little eye trouble. I'm looking for brothers, and I think they're all off with the women of worth. And my prediction, if this keeps up, they're going to put all of us men somewhere, and this thing will be full of women. That may not be too bad, but... uh, there's some of the brothers that claim they'd be here, and I haven't spotted them yet, and it's hard to spot people out here. Uh, I saw you. <laughs> oh, God's so good to us. It's wonderful to be here in this place. I feel so honored to have the privilege. I, uh, but the wonderful thing is it's not about me, and it's not about you. It's all about him. And that that gives me great hope. If it was about me, I could tell you a lot of bad stuff and sorry stories and fumble the ball a lot of times, but it's all about him. And I give him the glory and I want to honor him today. But I would begin with a little story I heard some time ago about Mark Twain. Mark Twain went to the state of Maine and took a three-week vacation and had a, a great time fishing. He fished every day for, for three weeks, and he enjoyed himself immensely. He got back on the train, headed back down, and there, and there was not very many, hardly any people. There was one man sitting in his compartment, and he got to talking to him, and he said, Man, I've had a great time here in Maine this, this past three weeks. I've caught so many fish every day. Well, come to find out, Fishing was closed those three weeks in the state of Maine. And he kept bragging, you can't fish without bragging if you catch something. And I'm not much of a fisherman, but I caught a big one last year and I've bragged even on the weight of the picture so much, you know. And that guy didn't say anything and finally he, he, Twain couldn't stand it any longer and he said, what do you do? Well, he said, I'm a game warden for the state of Maine. And Mark Twain held his head down and 
He didn't know what to say. And finally that man said, what are you do? Who are you? Well, he said, sir, to tell you the truth, I'm the biggest liar in the United States of America. I had to tell that that's in dedication to Washington, D.C. and the politicians. Now I'll get down to business. You kind of have to do a little something to get freed up here. We are indeed a blessed people. And I thank God for his bountiful blessings, how he has so inspired my heart and blessed me through these years. And it is a privilege. I never covet this place. I, uh, I don't understand why I'm here. And I know some of you, this is not an amen point, but, but I don't understand why I'm here, but the Lord, I guess, under divine providence. And so I'm here, and I'm here for his glory and to his good and for his word. In Matthew 16, I want to begin. Matthew 16, verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, follow with me. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a text there. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee all, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thanks be to God. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then charged he his disciples that they shall tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Our Father, would you prevail with us this hour? We ask you, Lord, that you will hide us and that Christ would be exalted and that the people would be edified and we would be challenged with your glorious word. To thy glory and to thine honor and for the people's good we pray in Jesus' sweet holy name. Amen. I want to use as my golden text today those words of Jesus. I will build my church. I will build my church. Glory be to God. This statement is undoubtedly the most far-reaching, notable statement in all in God's holy word and the greatest statement that the Lord ever made. I'm going to build my church. Thank God. And there are several things I want to call your attention to. I want to talk about the man. I want to talk about the materials. And I want to talk about the method. First of all, the man, Christ Jesus. The man who made this great statement, I'm going to build my church. All oh, thanks be to God. In the time of Jesus, Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus had arrived at this time, was famous for everything infamous. On the face of the earth, all the evil and all the corruption and all the immorality centered around Caesarea Philippi. Children were sacrificed to their gods. They were burnt to the god Molech. Over a thousand prostitutes 
were employed in the sacred services of the heathen temple. And when you think of something evil, you think of some, and something repulsive, and you think of something revolting, it all took place in Caesarea Philippi. In fact, it is said the local gentry used to call Caesarea Philippi the gates of hell. This was the feeling of the community far and wide that this place in which they lived had become the very gates of hell. I wonder today if Jesus was putting a play on words. Was he barring something that is already extant in the area that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church? What was he saying? That he's going to build, I'm going to build a church in all, all the forces of hell are not going to prevail against it. I gotta tell you brothers, that that is a tremendous statement. He's not bragging, he's declaring himself. They just blessed us saying he's still the same today. He's still the same right now. He's gonna build his church. Glory be to God. And all the forces of hell are not gonna prevail against it. It must have been a true view of the situation. And if it is so, and it is, Jesus said, no amount of sin and no amount of evil and no amount of immorality and no amount of corruption is going to hinder my church for accomplishing in its destiny. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, a lot of time has elapsed since he made that statement. A lot of water's going under the bridge and the books of history have grown real thick. And many things have been written and many have come and gone since Jesus made that statement. But aren't you glad today as children of the king that we believe, we fully believe the gates of hell are not prevailing against the church of the living God. Evil is about, didn't Jesus know how bad it was gonna get in this 21st century? Didn't he know how awful, did he not know how horrible it would become in the 21st century? But he said, it's not gonna prevail. Now I'm going with Jesus. I, I've, I've just about, no longer go with politicians anymore. He's not a politician. I was witnessing to a man the other day and I said, God didn't get elected. He said, you're right. <laughs> I felt like, I don't know why, how I said that. I'm not that smart, but I said it just at the right time. He didn't get elected. He's not, oh, that great old black preacher said it some years ago. He's my king. <laughs> Do you know him? Oh, thanks be to God. Yes, he is. And I'm so glad he's building his church. And I'm glad that, to be a part of that. He's building his church this very day. I was so glad last night when that, that wonderful young prince of preachers stood here and declared the whole word. My soul was just thrilled. I've messed around and become an old man now. And I see this young and brother Sankey's so right and a lot of us are fading out, but look what came on last night. That just thrilled my heart. Hey, he's a building his church. No matter how old we get and sick we get and who dies and who's buried, he's still gonna build his church. Hallelujah. Glory to heaven's king. The gates of hell shall not, it's, it's, a, it's a phrase that indicates the combined power of hell and the devil and all that they're capable of. And he says here, they cannot resist the march of the church. It's geared for battle. It's led by the king of kings, 
led by the Lord of Lords into a world of conquest and eventually into the very world of wickedness. This great church that he's going to build is going to be prevailed against by the forces of sin and iniquity. And aren't you glad that Jesus said, in spite of Mohammedanism, in spite of communism, in spite of Confucianism, in spite of Islam, in spite of Muslim, in spite of the Da Vinci Code and the Gospel of Judas, in spite of the Democrats and the Republicans, he said, I'm going to have my church. I've got to build a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. In spite of frigid formalism, in spite of fleshy fanaticism, in spite of appalling apostasy, in spite of pseudo-spirituality, in spite of bone-chilling deadness, in spite of giddy, giddy, giggling, frothy charismania, he said, I'm going to build my church. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, that stirs my heart. Solid, brutal, immovable, and glory to God because it's grounded and founded on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, oh there's a lot of things happening today. I've, I've, I've continued to go back to this great statement. I find tremendous courage in it. I'm not just excited over preaching it here today. And it is a different place here, you know. I'm not used to preaching to this many people. But uh, I got to tell you, through all my years, this keeps on coming back to me, and I, I can't get over it. It just keeps on thrilling me. I'm going to build my church. And here's where I get. I have a lot of my friends. I have a lot of people that I know up and down this land. And as I go back for a revival and I go here and there, where are they at? Well, they got hurt. Or they see things different. And there is a great host that's wandering from the way of understanding. They're wandering away. He's still building his church. I'm glad that the hierarchy in heaven would say, well, we better refigure all this thing. We got too many people wandering off. We got too many people sitting down and giving up. Oh, no, I tell you, there's a lot of things changing. There is a great transition. There is a tremendous upheaval and turmoil as we head toward the return of Jesus and the great tribulation. Yet so many things are coming to pass. But he said, I will build my church. Hallelujah. I'm going to build it. Glory be to God. Glory to his name. Oh, that thrills me. I'm glad that he said that I, I've had a lot of plans. I've had a lot of dreams. We had five children. I even dreamed when they were all growing up and running, we sang around the piano and sang in the local church I was pastoring. We're going to have, a, we're going to have an evangelistic team and hit the roads and travel this nation and sing and preach and have a big time. It went up in smoke. <laughs> I, I, we sang it this morning. <laughs> All my ambitions and dreams, and they evaporated. The songwriter got it right. All my plans and ambitions at his feet and ashes lay. Every dream doesn't come true because we're serving the Lord. You know that. But listen, when Jesus spoke these words, he said, he said it and he meant it and it's going to happen just like he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Oh, I know there's a lot of backsliders and there's a lot of atheism and there's a lot of compromise, but he's still building his church. Glory, glory, glory. 
Oh, thank God. In spite of all the commercial charlatans, in spite of all the money-grabbing TV preachers, in spite of all the hypocrites, and in spite of you and me, I will build a church. Glory, glory. We can sit around and twiddle our fingers and sort of, well, I'm not so sure. There's so many people, they're like frogs on a log, sitting out there blinking their eyes in a hailstorm and saying, well, I'm just not so sure which way this thing is going. Forget it. Get it on the bandwagon. He's building his church. Glory. Hallelujah. What a savior. It's on the move. Oh, thank God. He's going to have a church in spite of all that Satan could pitch out, in spite of all our secular humanism, in spite of all the dialectic materialism, in spite of the World Council and the Vatican Council or any other council. He said, I will build my church that neither wind nor weather nor time nor devils nor demons or death or can destroy. Oh, praise his name. I'm talking about the man who made the statement. He's going to build a church with us or without us. But as far as I am concerned today, as I stand before you, and this is not a political statement, I'm no politician, but from the depth of my being, as far as I'm concerned, he's not gonna build it without me. Amen. You really need to say amen on that point. You really need to declare yourself today in this convention. He's not going to build it without me. Amen. Glory to his name. Oh, thanks be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes, he's going to have it regardless. Oh, I've made up my mind. I thought last night I got so blessed. I walked in and I got to sit by Eugene Gray. Years ago in Bloomington, Illinois, I held a revival, a great time we had with Brother Gray. Today he can't see, but he can still hear. And he's right in there and he's waving his hand in a pulling for me this morning. And he said, Richard, I'll be there. And then of all the things I was sitting there and here walked in, here came by is Leroy Adams. Two of the greatest men that I so esteem, Leroy Adams and Eugene Gray. They faded and whatever, but they still involved in building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, thank God. You know, I'm going to fit in somewhere in his plan. Uh, my wife's been sick. We haven't been able to be here in a number of years. I so thank God for the privilege and that her health was enough we could be here today. But I know someplace, somewhere, surely there's a place in earth's harvest field so wide where I may labor to Jesus to crucify. I don't know. None of us know the years we have left. But let us determine and let us welcome the, or unwelcome. Uh, we, have, we, we will be invoked in helping build this church. I love the story in the quotation of old Uncle Buddy Robinson of the Nazarenes, who's 60, 70 years ago, he prayed, Lord, give me a backbone as big as a sawlog and, and fire within my soul. And I really wish we could see that happen. More fire. I, I know we all got different personalities, but the Holy Ghost doesn't check your personality out. If you'll let him, he'll fill your bosom with the fire of God. Hallelujah. And he said, Lord, help me to fight the devil at every opportunity that I have and help me to bite him as long as I, have, I live. And when I have no teeth, help me to gum him till I die. 
Well, hallelujah. Uncle Bud had a spirit within him. Oh, God, help us. Don't let us become a bunch of silent atoms. That day in the garden, he just stood there while the snake in the grass talked to Adam, to Eve. How many of you know today the snake in the grass is still circling? It doesn't matter how great your church is, how wonderful a group you have, how strong this IHC is, how wonderful your camp is, the snake in the grass is still out there. Are you going to be a silent Adam? That's the purpose of this convention, to stir us up. I think a friend of mine, my brother-in-law was to work with him and a good godly man, but he said, we didn't get to go to work. What happened? Well, he fell in the bathroom, busted his head and had to take stitches, put him in a hospital over the weekend. What was wrong? So I called back. What happened to him? Dehydrated. We thought something dreadful had took place. I haven't got it in points yet, but it is a sermon in the hopper. Spiritual dehydration is rampant all over. When you're dehydrated physically, medicine, nothing works right. And you can spend a night in the hospital for no other reason than you're drying up. Revive us again, oh Lord. Revive us again. Lest we dry up right in the midst of this glorious thing. Oh, my Lord, that young man spoke to me last night, those songs, everything yesterday afternoon. It stirred my heart. I thought, my Lord. And when I sat with Brother Gray and I hadn't seen Eugene Gray in a long time, and I said, glory, hallelujah. Fire me up, Lord. I can't help getting old, but I don't have to cool off. I don't have to dry up. Amen. Amen. Oh, Yes. Thank God, quite a difference in our day. People give up over the most frivolous things. They get discouraged here and there and they back up into a corner. And oh, I'm glad that Jesus didn't give up ahead of time, aren't you? And go back to heaven because there was too much rejection. Isn't that something? And there's always been a a band of... (laughs) There's always been a band of believers that love to run with him. You know, that's why I feel about this group. (laughs) I'm with a band of believers that love to run with Jesus. (laughs) Glory, glory, hallelujah. We love to run with him. No matter how thick the fight, no matter how much the rejection, glory to his name. Oh, bless his holy name. Oh, thank God. Hallelujah. There's always been a band of believers to run. They're still pulling the load today to build his church. Oh, I believe he'll put a spirit in our hearts like old Uncle Bud and other great rugged founding fathers had. There's no end to the conflict. There's no end to the struggle. There's no finality to this battle till the king sits on the throne of his church and is glorified and arrayed in his glorious splendor and gathered from the corners of the earth. I ask you today, can he do it? Can he pull it off? Did he know? Did he know how bad things were going to be in the 21st century? Did he know about the Democrats and the Republicans? Did he know how sorry the politicians were going to get? 
Did he know how much atheism was going to show its ugly head? I ask you today, can he do it? Can he build his church in our day when evil is coming like in life? Evil is like a flood now. Can he do it? Can he build the church? I don't bet, but I'll tell you what. I fully believe today. I stake my life on it. You can take it to the bank. He's going to do it. And I'm going to pull with him. Amen. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. I know he can. I believe he can. He who brought nearly two million people out of Egypt's prison and opened the Red Sea and brought them to the promised land and fed them with manna from heaven and water out of a rock. Can he build his church in 2014? <laughs> I don't think he can. I know he can. Can he who, who guided and guarded the prophet, the people, and fed the preachers with ravens, you know, the ministry, by the ministry of buzzards. Have you ever seen a buzzard share anything with anybody? They'll sit right out there in the middle of the road and they will feast on roadkill. And yet God uses creatures like buzzards to feed his prophet. And that fellow never ate so good in his life. He had fresh meat and bread, meat and bread every day, twice a day. <laughs> right out of old Ahab, pop, right out of old Ahab's kitchen. And Ahab wouldn't support the church or give to missions or to pay his tithe. He really didn't care about the kingdom of God. And every time he turned his back, he made an involuntary contribution to the work of God. I say hallelujah. Can he build his church? Quite often somebody says, did you hear this? Did you hear what Obama's going to do? Did you hear what the, this bunch is going to do? Did you hear what that's going to happen? Did you hear what? Is, and they just, I had one tell me just before I left Tulsa. I know they've been tuned into that internet. I'm not an addict to the internet. <laughs> no, I'm not even to Facebook even. Uh, that's all right if you are. Go ahead. We got, somebody's got to keep up with the latest. But... Um, I'll be honest with you, we may not be able to continue to meet as we are meeting. They may shut it down and say, no, you can't do this anymore. So what? He's going to build his church. He's not going to send a band of angels to Washington, D.C. and say, can we do it? Not on your life. Oh, thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Oh, I tell you. God said, you bring your tithes and your offerings to the storehouse, and if you don't, I'll collect them. God said that. How many of you believe he still collects? <laughs> oh, yeah. He who touched the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf, can he who spoke to the lepers be clean and they were made whole? Can he who defied the demons and uh, possessed man and they came out screaming? Can he who took a little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 beside women and children? He who stilled the storm in Galilee just speaking to the waves? Can he who emptied the grave at Bethany? Can he build a church in these days in which we are living? There's too many miracles back there that make me believe anything else. Hallelujah. I'm always assured when some old boy comes up, well, you know, we found a lot of error in the Bible. Oh, why don't you just throw it out and forget it? Because I don't want a book that has any error in it. 
I'm counting on making it into heaven. And I want a true map and a complete solid book that's right out of God's breath. When you shut the book, you get to thinking it's all hopeless. But when you live in the book, you know he's coming soon. <laughs> and you know he's going to build his church. Oh, oh, may God wake us and challenge us. Can he do it again? Rest assured, he's going to build his church. The Christ, Jesus Christ, the carpenter of Nazareth, is building a church of such quality, so durable, so tough, until the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Oh, I say glory to God. No, glory to his wonderful name. We've lived long enough, we've lived long enough to see about it and read about it and that his church is on the move. When communism tried to stamp out uh, Christianity in China, those who bring back reports, and the reports I've read tell of marvelous, miraculous works of the Holy Spirit in China, which was closed in 1949. The missionaries either fled or they were, or they were killed, and they were thrown out of, out of these countries and yet, underground churches sprang up everywhere. When old Mao Zedong came to power and purge the country of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's estimated there were at least two million Christians. And, and, and without all the religious garbage and a bunch of radio preachers and without camp meeting revivals and IHCs and all of that, <laughs> it was established that a hundred million Christians in China, and it's far greater than that now, and you say, well, I wonder just how many ever really got the goods. Hey, it's not for you to know. Are you trying to throw cold water on something he's doing? Don't you dare. He's building his church. They will be washed in the blood. They will be made holy. Nobody with an unclean heart's going to make it in. Oh, no. Oh, thanks be to God. <laughs> And the power of his spirit's on the move, and, and they, they may not do exactly like us, but he has more than us, thank God. There's more with us than be with them. Oh, thank God he wrote that song. All over the world, for years, the only Bible that was read over the radio station in Seoul, Korea, and the people would sit down and copy it as fast as they could for 15 minutes a day. That's all they had over the air. In their own language, no Bible colleges, no Bible training, no professional preacher, just a few farmers in a rice paddy, a few women on a threshing floor, a group gathering in the woods, a few tattered pages of an old torn up Bible, and the church keeps growing. <laughs> How many Bibles you got in your house? How many Bibles you got hanging around just your house alone? And think of it, they just had a few pages and the church kept growing. Please don't pay attention to the internet. Please don't pay attention to all this stuff that you think. We're on the winning side, people. We're heading home. We're heading home. Act like it. Believe like it. Don't you sit in that pew every Sunday that goes by and, and, and sort of taste the sermon and see if he's saying it just right. And if you don't buy into it, sort of go home and, and debate it. You, our church services are not courtrooms. Dear Lord, that tries me more than anything. A few years ago, I, got, I had a couple I was trying to help. They got in a fight on the way home over my sermon craziest thing 
Yeah, the devil works all the time. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, thank God. Just a few old tattered pages from a Bible torn out and the church keeps going. I've heard it says that the government knows they're there, but they can't find them. 100, 200, 300, maybe four, 500 million. I don't know, but he's building his church. The carpenter said, I'm going to build my church. Hallelujah. A power, a force on earth, yet invisible to the carnal and persecuting eye. I got a hold of this story and I heard of this woman from Siberia. They captured this Chinese preacher. He spent 23 years in solitary confinement in a black hole. For seven long years, he never saw another living soul except the faceless one who served him literal garbage to eat. And then for another 16 years, they sent him to the North China border near Russia and Siberia to feed communist pigs. And they gave him no feed to eat. He had to eat what the pigs ate. And they gave him no clothes or no blankets, so he took the straw that the hogs laid in. Can you imagine how that would be? And he was a... He wove a sort of a blanket to keep from freezing to death because it gets 45 below in Siberia. And one day they, the purge ceased and they released him. And you know what he did? Well, he didn't wipe his forehead and say, I've had enough of this. Not on your life. He went right back to the China, right back to the town, right back to the church where he left and kept on. They took up where he left off. I'm going to build my church. I hope someday I can meet that little Chinese preacher. Oh, I do. Oh, yes, and listen to me. He's going to build his church, and he can do it without me. But I still tell you, it's a resolution of mine. He's not going to do it without me. My ears need to hear me say that. Your ears need to hear you say that. He's not going to build it without you. Yeah, you're getting old and retiring and all that stuff's happening, but he's not going to build it without you. Look at you. You're still in gear. Hallelujah. That thrills me. Oh, praise God. Would I see Brother Sankey and Eugene Gray and some of you other old-timers still in the battle? That just thrills my soul. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank God. If all we do is attend our church and come to the camps and the conventions and sit and soak and fail to turn a hand to help build this church, God have mercy on us. But he's going to build it whether you help him or not. Oh, I like that. You said, that's arrogant. You know it is. He is dogmatic. I don't like to have or hear a preacher say, may I say this to you? Oh, cut it out. Say it. Would you mind if I just, no, say it. The world's going to hell. We're running out of time. Any day it can come. We don't need to just sort of tiptoe through the tithers. Oh, God help us. God prevail with us. Well, you say, preacher, the church is dying. Let me tell you something. His church has more lives than the proverbial tomcat. Oh, yes, it does. Just about the time some king or queen or, 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 or dictator or stupid communist ruler or, or even the Supreme Court rules and trying to shut it down. It just blossoms out that much more. The great church of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, Roman Catholicism has ruled in South America for so many years. And now charismania is a threat to genuine truth. And yet Christ is preached. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 and 8, you hear the wind and you can't tell whence it comes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Hear me today, the wind of the Spirit doesn't stop at the Chinese or the communist, any communist border and, or any other place where peanut man has tried to shut it down. The Spirit doesn't ask these dictators, can I come in? No, he blows right on across their borders. Hallelujah. He doesn't say, Mr. Pigtail, can I come in? Would you mind? No, the wind of the... How many of you believe with me this morning that right now we don't know, but all over this world, the wind of the Spirit is blowing. You believe that? Could I see your hand? You believe that the wind of the Spirit is blowing? Oh, I know whole denominations are going apostate. The one I grew up in, they got a column uh, on Facebook, Concerned Nazarenes. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but they are. It's on Facebook, so... I can quote anything on Facebook. I'm concerned that a lot of my dear ones are going to get left behind because I'm going to tell you, the truth is marching on today. And you may sit there and think, well, you know, our preacher, our preacher needs some new life in him. You heard him last night. I imagine a whole bunch of us need some new life too. He's moving. The wind of the Spirit is blowing. It's blowing. Oh, thanks be to God. The Spirit doesn't ask. The doesn't ask if he, where he can blow. Oh, yes, the times are turbulent and the lights are going out. In fact, I stopped just a minute. I met a young man that I haven't seen in years. Last night, I said, why are you preaching? Well, he said, I was pastoring in such and such a town until Sunday night and they voted me out and threw me out of the church. I said, you're kidding. And he said, I never have been here before. I said, well, this is the best place you could have come to. If you just got thrown out of your church Sunday night, brother, this is a good place to come. I don't know if he's here this morning, but I want to tell him one thing. God's still building this church, and don't you get off in some corner and lick your wounds and think it's all over with. No, there isn't enough carnality in hell to shut him down. Glory, you believe that today? Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We have a carpenter that's building. And make up your mind, you'll help him. There's no discharge in this war. I believe the wind is blowing all over the world. He's building his church. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. I don't take people in other people's embarrassment. But there's one embarrassment I plan to enjoy. The day when the Hitlers and the Mussolinis and the Husseins and, and, the, and, and, and Mao Zedongs and a whole bunch of American politicians have to bend their knee and confess that he is Lord and he's Christ. I'm going to have a good time there. Oh, yes, I will. Oh, the vile, the rotten men who whispered the name of Jesus. Oh, may God help us. <laughs> I tell you today, oh, that they'll confess a name above all names. A name that saves and sanctifies and heals. A name that secures us. Hear me. This is no day to hang our harps in the willows and sing a sad song. Let's sharpen our swords. Let's gird ourselves with the preparation of the gospel and determine that we're going forward in his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, what a savior. There are thousands of family churches in Siberia. The communists could never shut them all down. This is all in answer to what the master said, I will build my church. 
and you and I are part of the crew. Amen. Aren't you glad? We sang it a while ago, covered by the blood. We're part of the crew. Hallelujah. And though men get in the way, listen, though men get in the way, he still builds his church and God honors his word. One great radio station in Seoul, Korea alone has an AM band of over 400,000 watts of power that's daily beaming the gospel message all over China. (laughs) Oh, we have a savior that's building his church. The great commission is still in force today. Hallelujah. And I'm thinking of Myanmar and New Guinea and India and Panama and Colombia and all the points of connection of all the different churches. I just praise God. The great work of the Holiness Pilgrim and the ICHA and the COGH and the EFM and EFM. I just get thrilled. HIM's all over the world, I think, and EFM's all over everywhere too. And I didn't see Mark Sankey yet, but I pray for Mark. I try to pray for the work of EFM every day. And I think I heard it said back then when they were throwing Mubarak out, you remember in that riot, it was terrible. Bloodshed, fire, stones flying, bullets flying. Just two or three years ago, I mean, there was a recent one, but the one before that one. (laughs) And they threw Mubarak out. And it was awful. And and Brother Saeed, Abraham Saeed of Cairo, do you know what happened? In the middle of all that Muslim uproar, they had a great revival and organized 10 brand new churches. Who's behind that? He's still building this church. That just thrills my soul to no end. That that's excites me. I can't get over that. You, you got any missionary stories? Are you repeating them? You ought to be, folks. We're on the crew. He's building the church. I, I see Brother Plank sitting over here with all these fellas. How many, 13 of them came? I don't know how many came. 16, $3,000 a clip. They flew over here from New Guinea to the glory of God because they believe he's going to build his church regardless. That just thrills my soul to see these brothers sitting over here. Hallelujah. And their brother told me they had 5,000 in a youth camp over there just recently. Isn't that marvelous? My word. Oh, people, wake up. Get off, of, get off the internet and get on to something What's happening. Oh, glory to God. EFM is just going ablaze. And, and, and I think of, where is my brother? Oh, Raymond Shreve. Raymond, are you here? Wave your hand or let out a yell or something. Raymond's here and I'm thinking, Bogota. Isn't it marvelous to think that they, in the narcotic hellhole of the world, in Bogota, Colombia's old-fashioned holiness church, in Bogota, Belize, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, all over, up and down the land, all over the world. I didn't get the quote in there. Let me tell you, it wasn't just Abraham Saeed pushing everything over there. In Cairo, it was the blessed Jesus. I want to meet those saints. Right in the middle of all that must, Dr. Godby talks about the Muslims trying to rise, but he said, the king is going to put them all down. They expect... They plan to rule the world. They aren't doing so hot yet. And I don't expect them to. I can tell you today, 10 brand new churches in the middle of a conflict, that's revival. That's the Holy Ghost. That's Jesus working. That just thrills my soul. Oh, but I'll tell you about one you don't know about him. A little black man by the name of Jimington. I first found out out about him through John and Chris Buntain. 
and uh, Jamington, he got gloriously saved, but he, he wanted to go to school and he heard about Leroy Adams teaching that school over in Ghana. He waded through blood. He went through all kinds of things, like they got killed himself. And he got there and Leroy said, I don't have any room for you. And he lived off a of rattlesnake, off of snake meat and he boiled those big old termite things. He boiled those termites. He eat boiled termites and snake meat to get doctrinated in the way of holiness and truth. And today, Jimmington, with no missionary board and nobody supporting, he's indigenous. And he's in West Africa. He walks eight hours one way to preach to two or three hundred people under one of those giant shade trees in Africa. Building this church. <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, folks, it's happening all over the world. The, there's all kinds of mission endeavors doing a great work. And I'm especially excited over the wonderful holiness works in so many fields. Glory to God. Well, I've got to bring this thing to a halt, getting close here. I want to talk briefly about the material. The carpenter of Nazareth is using, is such a genius that he takes the rotten, the brokenhearted, the ruined, the blasted, the off-scoured, the red, yellow, the black and white, the ignorant, the rich, the poor. He can take them all and blend them all together with his divine skill. You believe that? Oh, glory to God. A skill that passes all understanding and makes one body, one church that is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory. What a carpenter. What a builder. What a material. And then the last thing is the method that he uses. He told his disciples, I'm going to die. Now that just generally shuts things down. That pulls the curtains. That's the end of the dream. That's the end of the plan. But he said, I'm literally going to purchase my church. And he's wise and whatever he buys, he'll take care of it. And he's no fool. He will preserve what he buys. And then he said, after I purchase my church, I'm going to rise again. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I will, and then a group of people will be filled with my spirit and they will go to the ends of the earth. Dwight L. Moody said, the angel said to the Lord after he announced his plan, but what if these people fail? Whatever plan do you have? You've heard it. Jesus said, there is, this is the only plan. I have no other plan. You've got it. It's not going to fail. I may fail, you may fail, but his plan will not fail. Hallelujah. A good definition of Pentecost. This is what I got to hold. Pentecost is a passion. It is a burning passion that does not say, do I have to? It says, I must. Glory to God. It's a passion that stirs my soul unto the last of the last. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He said it last night. He talked about pride. Well, I just recently read through the book. I got a hold of a friend of mine long ago. I had gotten rid of mine or hid mine or something. Couldn't find it. The book of Revelation by W.B. Godby. And in that book, Godby talks about us using the language of Scripture. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, he talks about the filthiness of the flesh and the filthiness of the spirit. Godby says that's the point right there of two works of grace. That's why we believe in getting saved and sanctified. There's something filthy on the outside and there's something filthy inside. Not just some little mistake and some little 
hiccup that happened in your life and your daddy was this and your mama was that, there's something filthy on the inside. And when the pride of a man's heart rises up, if it gets him, it's a sign that that filth is still there. That filthiness is still there. I tell you today, that's why we believe in the second blessing wholeness. We believe in a Holy Spirit of God that can cleanse to this. Raymond Brown and wrote it, praise the Lord for full salvation. God still lives upon the throne and I know the blood still reaches deeper than the stain of sin is gone. We believe that he can go deeper than the stain. He can take away the filth. Say it like that. That's why the Bible says it. When Tiger Woods got caught cheating, you're supposed to be classy people playing golf. And so when Tiger Woods two or three years, four years ago got caught, I heard a news commentary said, he sure made a mistake. He did not. He sinned. Low down rascal, he sinned. And when you sin, pardon my grammar, it ain't just the mistake, it's the filth on the inside. I beg you, we still believe in second blessing wholeness. And the reason, because the Bible's got it. The filth of the flesh, the filth of the spirit, it's got to go. And we have a redeemer. We have a fountain open for sin and uncleanness. Oh, glory to his name. Well, praise God, that was almost a detour. I tell you, let me say it again. The definition of Pentecost is a passion. It's a burning passion. That does not say, do I have to, but it says, I must. Do you feel like you must nowadays? Have you that something that never does tire? Have you that burning something down on the inside, a passion that stirs my soul? Until the last of the last, hear the gospel of Jesus. You heard of the young missionary who went to the Pacific to a leper colony. His name was Frank, and his mother said, what if you don't come back? And Frank said, coming back was never in my orders. <laughs> I was only told to go. Nothing said about coming back. May God so move us this day. May he so move us this day that we will rededicate, renew, determine to obey his command. No man is a fool to give up what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Listen, the rich and the poor are buried just alike, empty-handed. The Great Commission stares us in the face, blazing right out of the word of God, this greatest call, the greatest hope of our church. Respond to the call of Jesus Christ and join him. Before you leave this great convention, why don't you declare to you and God alone, secretly, privately, or publicly, or however, that you will help him build his church? Glory be to God. I'm going to have a church, but not without me. Well, I got another minute or two. I'm going to take it real quick. Paul Brand, Paul Brand and Philip Yancey co-authored a word, a book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Some of you have it. Dr. Brand's a great doctor who devoted his life. He came from tremendous parents. Behind him was his mother, Evelyn Brand. When she was a young woman, just a young woman in 1909, she felt a calling that, like that, a calling in 1909 for a young woman took a truckload of faith. I'm gonna tell you, equal amount of determination. She married a young man named Jesse and together they began a ministry to, to people in rural India. 
bringing education and medical supplies and building roads to reduce the isolation. Early in their ministry, they went seven long years without a single convert. And then one day, a priest of the local tribe got incurably ill, terribly sick, and the brands went to him and they prayed for him and laid hands on him and, and uh, Evelyn and Jesse, they nursed him as he was dying and he said, this God, Jesus, must be the true God because Jesse and Evelyn will care for, cared for me in my dying. And the priest gave his children to them to care for him. In that part of the world, people begin to surrender to the call of Jesus. They begin to increase in numbers and begin to follow him. And Evelyn and Jesse had 13 years of productive service. And then Jesse died. And by this time, Evelyn is 50 years old. And everyone expected her to return to England. But she refused and she stayed on. And she stayed 20 more years. She became known as Granny Brand. And, 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 and the mission board said, you got to come home. And her son Paul, Dr. Paul, came over and he said, Mama, you've had 70 wonderful years and you've grown old and, and, and allow everything else to fall away from those things that see you only love. Come on, toward the end of her life, Granny Brand spent her life in India, 20 years of widowhood. At age 70, the mission board said, you gotta come home. And they said, we're not giving you another five-year term. Isn't that wonderful? I've sat on mission boards, they didn't can't only stay two years. And, and, and she was... So stubborn, a party was held and they said, have a good trip back home. And she said, I'll tell you a little secret. She announced, I'm not going home. I'm staying in India. Evelyn had a little shack built. She had saved some money and they bought a pony and she went around those mountains for years on horseback. She did that for five years. And one day at 75, she fell off and broke her hip and her son said, okay, mama, that's it. And she said, I'm not going back home. She spent 18 more years in India traveling on horseback. There were falls, concussions, sicknesses, and aging. None of it could stop her. Finally, she hit 93 years old, and she couldn't get on that pony. She couldn't walk nothing. So the natives built a stretcher, and they carried her from village to village for two more years. And at 95, she died. She never retired, she just graduated. She believed what Jesus said, I will build my church. We are surrounded with a great troop. We are surrounded by some great believers. We are surrounded by great men and women who won't quit, who won't give up. We may get a lot of stuff shoved in our face, but we know that he's building his church. And we're not going to seek a way out. Thanks be to God. And now in our day, atheism's on the rise, creating great trouble, and there's the free. Huh. Any of you see that ad? Freedom for religion. Jesus didn't die for my sins. Well, there's only one alternative. <laughs> Dr. Godby said over 100 years ago, remember, I love this and I'm quitting. Remember, God's plans never fail. Human and diabolical rebellion may interrupt and postpone them, but omnipotence in due time will sweep away all the fabrications of men and devils and perfect his plan to the admiration of saints and angels. 
Don't you dare lose faith in Almighty God. As a prophet, he teaches us. As a priest, he atones for our sins. And as a king, he rules over all of us forever. I ask you this morning, you've listened so well. I ask you today, right now, real serious, from my heart, do you really believe he's going to build his church? You believe that? He's my king. Do you know him? You believe he is? You believe he's going to build his church? Are you going to just sit back in your rocking chair and say, well, preacher, there's not much I can do. Well, God knows how much you can do. Tell that to the Lord. You'd be amazed what he'll do. You'll be amazed how he'll position you. Let's stand and bow our heads in prayer. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.